ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated by the idea of ghosts. They want you to remember them. They somehow, for whatever reason, no matter what your belief is, they haven't gone to where they're supposed to go. And so they're wanting attention. Ghost tours of quarantine stations and convict jails are hugely popular. And how many horror movies with ghosts has Hollywood made? But is there really a spirit world? When you die, it doesn't necessarily raise your IQ. And so if you're a narcissistic troublemaker in this life, you're going to be a troublemaker when you're a ghost as well. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and on Earshot for our Remember Me season, we're heading to Stockton, a suburb of Newcastle on Waramai country, to meet Nell and her daughter, Caitlin. I am not somebody that would go around and typically talk about the fact that I believe in ghosts or spirits, but I believe what happened here was real, and I do believe there was some type of presence in this house. In their house, Nell and Caitlin had years of weird experiences that they couldn't explain. So we'll go looking for some answers with a panel of experts, psychic Kerry Irwin, sceptic Adam Spencer, and our agnostic producer, Greg Appel. Personally, I've never had a truly supernatural experience, except perhaps in dreams. But so many friends and people I'm close to have told me their ghost stories over the years, and that's why I wanted to tell this one. Stockton's right at the mouth of the Hunter River, just north of the historic port of Newcastle. It was settled by colonists as early as 1797. It's a place that's both charmingly suburban and broodingly atmospheric. There've been hundreds of shipwrecks on this coast. And in 1989, Stockton Beach was the scene of a brutal murder that brought a lot of unwanted media attention to the area investigates the violent rape and murder of a 14-year-old girl. Some listeners may find this program disturbing. Nell Jones's house has seen a lot of history too. Originally a shop, it's next door to a pub. Nell and her daughter Caitlin moved in more than 20 years ago. Nell got a job teaching at the local primary school. I was living and working in Sydney and I was a single mother. And my daughter was probably already 12. And I realised that she was going to high school and I thought, great, look, if we have to move out of the city, great time to do it. So we started looking around and we came to Newcastle and found this house. Well, coming from Sydney and being a city kid, <laughs> I was like a bit taken back that we were moving into this house that was very unrenovated. Like, oh God, it's an old house, like, what are we doing? <laughs> I thought it was very suburban. You know, all the lawnmowers are out at nine in, on a Sunday morning. It was pretty derelict. When was it built? It was roughly built around 1910. So there's been people living here for, you know, 100 years or so, and that's not to mention the people that were living before buildings were here, you know. Caitlin's Nell's 33-year-old daughter, She's an online content creator. She lives just around the corner and she called in while I was there with Nell. Probably not until I was about 14, I became aware of the energy in the house, especially when I'd go to sleep because I felt my room felt just uneasy, I think is the word. 
I would hear in this room just behind us, mum's keyboard typing. And I thought that it was mum up late typing, doing work for school as a school teacher. I remember that went on for a while before I said anything. I'd kind of come out and check and there'd be no one there. And that was when I had like the courage to do that. Like I had no, I had no idea in my head that there was spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call them here. I was just like, this is just weird. I think the first time when I thought I saw somebody shuffling around between the house and the cottage, I used to get a feeling walking through there that, oh, oh, something was really cold and made me shiver. Sometimes I'd be terrified about that. I was kind of used to it because I just thought, yeah, well, you know, maybe I've got this sense that I can see things that other people don't. And so I didn't tell a lot of people. But then my daughter started having really dreadful things happening to her and other friends would come and stay for the weekend and would see things or hear things. And, in fact, my niece refuses to stay here. She's too terrified. It started to progress in terms of I was uneasy to go to bed. I do have very vivid memories of laying down and feeling cold air on my face. Still to this day, like, I... I'm not sure but what that exactly was, but it was a cold presence. And I would be so terrified. I could not move a muscle. I'm an only child, so I didn't have any friends up here or anything like that. So I guess as a kid, I was, I'm was i very like imaginative. I remember, I still am, but like at that time, even more so. Because I spent a lot of time by myself as a kid, you know, playing imaginary games by myself. There was also a strange smell that Nell noticed near the kitchen stove. It reminded her of a time when she was a teenager and she used to hang out with some homeless men. That smell, you know, that smell of somebody who just hasn't washed for days and days and days, that's what it smelt like. And every now and then you smell it again, but then I just don't think about it. Uh, My next door neighbours weren't the same people. There was another girl living in there with her husband. He was a shipwright and she was a belly dancer. Anyway, I, I just, my, just thought, look, I'll just say it to her. Ask her if she's had anything like this happening, you know. And I thought, because she probably thinks I'm a complete nutcase. Anyway, she goes, no. She said, no, no, is he a smelly old guy? I've seen him. He's in my hallway. He comes and walks up and down my hallway. He's got a long beard and a shirt. And he stinks. And then we found out that our neighbour across the road had also had him in his hallway. Oh, yeah, the minor. Yeah, there was a smell for a lot a lot of years when you'd pass through to the kitchen. <laughs> I was too scared to talk about it even with mum sometimes because I'd be like, no, 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 like I have to go to bed soon, please stop. <laughs> so I wasn't as open about it or maybe courageous as mum was about it. I, think, I don't want to live here! <laughs> I think I did at one point. My best friend lived down the road and um, I stayed with him for a while because I just was so scared about going to bed every night. Like it was, oh God, I don't want to go to bed. Like I was scared. It's really hard to know what to think. Nell showed me a photo of the contents of her bookshelf flung around the room. Both Nell and Caitlin seem very credible. So either they're mad or they're making it up. But why would you do that? So I thought I'd put it to a couple of people who know a lot more about this than me. My name's Kerry O and I'm a professional medium and I do spirit rescue. My name's Adam Spencer and I'm quite comfortable playing the role of the sceptic in this discussion. I'm struggling to find what rational explanation 
I could have personally. What do you two think? I've seen a lot of this sort of thing going on my whole life, actually. It started off in my childhood. So, yes, I did think I was mad, but, you know, having an experience like this, you need help. So, yeah, this does exist. Greg, I will never come to a discussion like this and say someone's mad, and I will very, very rarely look at someone and say, you're lying, you know this is not true. But when we look at how the human mind works and how our understandings of reality, even the things we experience directly are at best reasonably good guesses. Whenever these things are analysed, there's scarce or zero proof that holds up to any sort of rigour at all. In my belief, you really have to experience it. It's not something you just make up for attention. This is a really scary type of phenomena that goes on. I don't doubt, Kerry, that you believe what you're saying, and I'm not trying to no, I've experienced it, even as a I'm child. Not, and I'm not trying to be patronising in a backhand way when I say that, but when, when I've spoken to people who've investigated these sort of things, I know someone who, was, who went out to look at a school where they everyone was worried it was haunted and there were these lights that would appear on the ceiling towards mm. the end of the day that no one could explain. Well, that's And then fin- when fin- finally when someone hit the ceiling fan and the light started to move, they realised there was an incredibly unlikely reflection of light off two or three different things up through a window onto the ceiling. No one could have guessed that happening. Cold flushes of air are far more likely to be something very interesting with the ventilation of an old creaky house rather than people suddenly visiting the, the world of the paranormal. I'm not talking about little little things like lights and doors creaking. I'm talking about when you actually have the spirit that's actually suffocating you or giving you a really hard time just to get your attention. People who ring me up on a daily level, they're, they're not mucking around. Smells, sounds, lights. Adam says they can be explained. But then so does Kerry by ghosts. And as I spent more time with Nell, more ghosts began to appear. I wondered whether these were little flashes of history seeping through somehow. I was watching TV and out the corner of my eye I could see something there, you know, and I just thought, oh, okay. So I turned and there was this figure sitting there and she wasn't a solid figure. She was a little bit ethereal, I suppose, or a little bit see-through, but I could see she had this beautiful dress on, yellow, blue flowers, I think, from memory. It's a fair while ago. And she had the whole bouffant on the head, like the old beehive sort of thing. And she was just had her legs crossed and sitting there. I don't know why she decided to appear, but once I'd asked her that question, and she kind of just disappeared. I think she's still here. Nell's also a writer and a keen historian. She did some research about who else had lived in the house, hoping she might find some clues. Perhaps about the old miner, or the lady in the yellow dress. I went up to the Newcastle University archives to find more information about who lived in the shop. So I found out that Lillian Fairless built the shop roughly around 1910, After the Fairless people sort of owned it, we had a spate of different people, the Eaton family of Stockton who are still here. There were Joneses. I think the majority of the characters that may be appearing here or trying to be remembered would have to be one of those three families. And I did have some photos of Lillian Fairless and her family and some very vague photos of the Joneses, but there's nothing that I can say there that they are visions or... Yeah, they're not people that I have seen in the house. 
So that may be odd, but, you know. Nell started to think that she was having these experiences because she saw things differently to other people. Yeah, I got a bit desperate and I thought, well, look, you know, maybe I'm a little bit psychic. I think there is something to having a sixth sense. She thought she'd try automatic writing, a process where a medium writes down words they hear from somewhere. My internal ghost belief dial is now starting to turn towards sceptic. You know, you never really know whether you think you're just making this up, but, you know, I'm pretty good at clearing my mind and just listening. So I started getting this story and then I got this name Sylvia from somewhere and she said that she was 17, this girl, and that she had been killed or had drowned. And she started to tell her story. I tried to ascertain was she, you know, here in early settlement or what. I could never really get that. But she said she was young and she couldn't leave the place. You've got to always have that in the back of your mind, that it's not just white colonists that lived here, it was Indigenous people. And so, you know, this street had huge sand dunes in it and it wouldn't be surprising to me to find that there were Indigenous people buried in this street. Nell was also very conscious that it wasn't her place to talk about Indigenous history. And what about Caitlin? At the time of the strange happenings, she was somewhat sceptical but today she thinks differently about her mother's attempts to contact the dead. I have a little bit of a fascination with understanding what's after life, you know, so I, I do kind of think very deeply in, like, what has happened to them. So I'd probably ask them that. What, what's going on? Where are you? What, what realm are you stuck in? <laughs> well, like, I don't know. I think a lot of them have had um, attachments to the place, that perhaps they don't want to let go of, they don't want to go to the light if that's what you believe in. When word got out that this house could be haunted, ghost hunters got in touch with Nell and asked if they could come around with their ghost-detecting gear. Some of the equipment would go off if they thought that there was something present in the room. What are we listening to now? Well, what we're listening to is some sounds that um, the Hunter Paranormal Society picked up. Um, This one is a crazy moan. I'll play you one more. It's on my phone. I was recording the frogs, but then this happened. Did you hear that? What did I hear? Let's listen again. Whoops, don't delete it. (laughs) It sounded like there was something there. I felt my dial move ever so slightly towards Believer. Nell gave me the sound recordings that the Hunter Paranormal Society made in the house. I tried treating them to see whether I could hear voices or words more clearly, but I'm not sure what I'm listening to. When another person moved into the house, Nell and her daughter noticed the activity got more intense. I met a fellow in about 2002 and we formed a relationship. He thinks he was psychic for sure. And after a couple of years we got married and my daughter was probably nearly 15, probably not a great time to get a new partner. But instead of trying to be a friend to her, he just tried to be her father. And that didn't really work out. They clashed all the time. There were fights. There were dreadful fights. I was left in the middle, tried to see both sides, and then it all just got too hard. But 
There is a theory about teenagers that attract this kind of thing. Caitlin was having lots of things going on in her room. Things were going missing. And then he started to get things going missing. And at first, he kind of blamed her. So this was probably the point where our relationship was very... It was really bad at the time. And one day he went to his wardrobe and there were about seven or eight shirts gone. And so immediately he thought, oh, well, probably Caitlin's done this. Like, she's hidden them. But she hadn't. So she swore she hadn't. So um, anyway, we found them in our rubbish bin outside, all cut up. We were physically, you know, pushing and, you know, get out of my way, like that kind of anger. You know, nobody was physically hurt, but it was like enough of doing that. And it was also like, well, here's another thing I can tell her mum that, you know, she's done. We lost a lot of things, money, iPods, phones, just random things out of the kitchen. He then was getting targeted. And so he thought he had people walking on him at night, holding him down. I mean, I have read that if you believe in spirits, that they can be attracted to negative energy in, in the space or even teenagers because they do tend to possess that kind of energy when you're growing up. So it felt like hell, <laughs> to be honest. I was already trapped in my own like anger with my mum remarrying to this person that I could not stand. And then I'd come home from school and I'd be terrified to go to bed because of this, all these occurrences. So it was like there was no reprieve. And I remember just hating my life. Like, the only salvation I had was my friends and going to school. I loved going to school. I was up at 6.30, I was ready to go to school. I never missed school, hardly. I was just so scared and so scared of being weird at that age. You know, you're a teenager. You go to school and be like, oh, guess what happened to me last night? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not really what you want to talk about in the playground. <laughs> so. Nell's relationship eventually ended in divorce. But I wonder if the difficult domestic situation could explain these paranormal episodes. I put it to Caitlin that the poltergeist was actually doing some good work on her part. Perhaps. I've never really thought of it that way. I definitely had thoughts of, you know, <laughs> terrible things. Or something. But what did Kerry and Adam think? When you've got activity, spirit activity, on a paranormal level, they will always try and get your attention and also it will affect the family. There'll be arguments, quarrels from the interference from the spirit. It's not a nice thing to experience. The pets will get sick, you'll have colds, flu. It does affect you on many levels and lots of arguments. And I've known couples where I've cleared their house where they've actually split up. In a family where there's a lot of fighting and anger, and potential for divorce or new partners on the scene and people physically pushing into each other, they're carrying around so much stress. In a family like that, if people start getting run down and sick or if clothes are found in the bin and a child swears it wasn't them, there's not a cell in my body that's going to think, well, obviously it's a ghost. I was divorced between your sort of 2015 wrapping up sort of 2017 my daughters all tell me stories from that period of time and I just don't remember a word of what they're talking about because there were external stress factors on me at the time. That's a far more logical explanation of what's going on here than a human spirit that's failed to pass on to its astral realm is coming back and cutting up clothes. They're here. Maybe because you're vulnerable at that age. You know, you're 14, you're 
able to believe things easily. You see TV, movies and things like that. Perhaps we're more open-minded. Poltergeist. It knows what scares you. I would never watch those movies. Oh, that's another thing. I'd never watch The Poltergeist. I would never watch those during that time. Absolutely way too close to home. <laughs> so, like, it's not like the movies, I don't think. Honestly, <laughs> you don't just see, like, this, like, you know, transparent body that floats around. I don't think that's what it is. But I think the light and the flashes of things that you see, I think that's somehow that they're moving around in the space. Their energy or, yeah. I mean, it was getting so terrible that we had to get somebody to do something. So who do you call? Yes, Nell called a real-life ghostbuster. My name's Rob Tilley. Been involved with um, Parapsychology Australia for 40 years now, and the main work I do is um, clearing haunted houses. I'm psychic. I was a schoolboy, and the good spooks told me, this is what your life is all about. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I was only 14 at the time, and I thought, does, does this mean I have to get a job with Jesus in the God business? But I thought, no, I don't like the look of those Christians. They're a bit too weird for me. Rob Tilley was doing this work long before Hollywood discovered Ghostbusters. Inside his small flat, surrounded by bookshelves full of academic works on exorcism, I felt I was in the presence of someone genuine. My dial was tilting back towards belief. I have no academic qualifications whatsoever. And I was taught by other people, mostly women, who do this same kind of work. Poltergeists um, open doors and, and slam windows and smash things and set fire to things. And there's also possession cases where um, people get possessed. They're very rare, but it does happen. Uh, probably the most frightening thing was a possession case that I was involved in with a young man. His eyes changed and the entity inside him was staring back at me, trying to frighten me. And I'm, I must say it was a rather chilling moment. And they're all the same problem, it's just bad spirits. Rob believes there are bad spirits, or spooks as he calls them, and good ones. And he works with the good ones to get rid of the bad ones. So the whole process is about raising emotional and spiritual intelligence and IQ, and uh, hopefully when they come back into the world next time, they're nice people. <laughs> Rob visited the house in Stockton and did some clearing. When he came in, he opened the front door and said, my God, the place is packed with ghosts. He thought there was about 55 of them or something. My room when he went in, I will never forget because I didn't really believe he was going to be able to clear this house. I was like, okay, yep, sure, <laughs> whatever, Mum. Yeah, okay, cool. You know, like, can we be any weirder? We're already weird, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> well, I had to do something. I didn't know what else to do. Um, so I, was, I went into it as I am, open-minded. Um, and then when he went into my room, I remember he said, okay, stand in the corner where my bed was and can you feel that? energy and I was like okay I walked over there and it was ice cold and I thought okay maybe this guy knows what he's talking about maybe it's not just me <laughs> um he, he thought there was like three yeah, entities living in, there yeah. in your wardrobe didn't he or somewhere in your room yeah in Caitlin's bedroom she had posters of rock musicians on the wall ripped some of those off and uh, he's a particularly belligerent ghost I um 
made him even angrier. You've got to wind them up a little bit to get their emotions, uh, mobilise their emotions by antagonising them a bit. So because I can see with my mind, um, I knew where uh, he would be in different parts of the house. So I'd go and stand exactly the same spot that he was in to occupy his personal space, which was very intimidating. And it just made him extremely angry. And once they get angry, they're easier for the good spooks to manipulate them. So um, the good spooks just flood him with powerful, positive emotions. Is he emotionally overwhelmed? Um, he's never had an experience like that before. He's feeling emotions he never knew he had. And so um, in the emotional flooding, there's, there's the message that everything's going to be okay, nobody's going to be hurt, everything's going to turn out fine. So it takes about uh, an hour usually to calm him down and he agrees to go off to the light with the good spooks. And it was uh, pretty straightforward. <laughs> I did wonder how much Rob charged for a house clearing since he probably didn't have to pay his helpful spooks. No, I did not pay him. He doesn't take payment. I gave him a donation <laughs> because he'd come from Sydney. I think I gave him $100 or $50. I can't remember, Greg. Most people are happy to give me some money for doing that. If they haven't got any money, well, it's free because uh, we're a community-based organisation. A tank of petrol at Newcastle and back. <laughs> When he left, we felt a huge relief. It did feel calmer, less chaotic, but he did say to me that there were three that were left here and that he thought that perhaps they weren't aggressive, they weren't like the other ones that were taking things and doing things. That was 15 years ago. Today, Nell seems to enjoy the company of the remaining spooks. I guess they're the good ones. It doesn't worry me. I talk to them now. Like in the beginning, I'd just say, stop doing that, you know, or you're being an idiot. And when I come home now, I think I, I have this feeling that someone is here. And so I'll say, hello, I'm home, just for a laugh, because maybe it is better to talk to them. Maybe that's the best way to deal with them. So they weren't going to drive me out of the house. There's no way I was going to, you know, say, oh, I can't live there, it's too haunted. After meeting all these very believable people and listening to their stories, I'm still not sure what to think. My dial's back in the middle. I'd say there's something going on that I don't quite understand, but the signals are very weak. So time for one last call to the Spirit Helpline. Cultural assumptions can play a massive role. If you've been told from the earliest of ages as a child, if you've been told by your parents that ghosts exist, or there is a spirit realm, or there is a god, or you come from a culture where most people believe they are psychic, or there's a degree of psychic ability in everyone, that's obviously going to affect the way you interpret the world. When you step one step away from this, and get into the realm of people who say they can communicate with the dead, when you get into Ouija boards, when you get into moving objects at a difference, when you get into bending spurts, that sort of paranormal ability has been thoroughly discredited thousands and thousands of times. There are a lot of fraudulent people out there, Adam, and unfortunately we don't have any regulation in this industry. I've actually gone to houses in the western suburbs where I, I came across this Indian family and they were paying some guy in Fiji $2,000 a month to remove the spirits when... That's so sad. 
So sad. My partner and I, we actually removed it in 10 minutes. So it is sad. So I would love to see this industry regulated. So I totally agree with that. The other thing I wanted to say, which is really important, people that do have spirits in their house, they're not pets. If they're aware that they do have an earthbound spirit in their house, it's not fair to keep that spirit there. That spirit has to cross so it can regenerate. Why is it so hard to understand this and accept the theology of God and uh, Jesus? But I do think you have to stick strong to your own convictions and what, and what your own experiences are because, you know, I know my daughter does and, I mean, she, you know, she probably doesn't want to believe in ghosts but how does she explain the things that have happened to her, you know? I'm currently seven months pregnant and due on the 8th of August. So this is my first child. <laughs> so I really hope that they don't <laughs> have the same experiences as me and hopefully they can just come here and enjoy themselves. We'll um, never mention it. We'll you? never mention it until they are old enough to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, sorry. <laughs> All the best with the baby, Caitlin. Good Spooks, Bad Spooks was produced by Greg Pell. The Ghost in the Machine was John Jacobs. And The Ghost Upstairs was Claudia Taranto. And next time on Earshot, when Toby Hemmings attended a family funeral, the Indigenous elder giving the acknowledgement of country said that without the work that Toby's grandfather did as a linguist, their language would be lost forever. But Toby knew nothing about this work. So he begins to look for the strip of magnetic tape that aided the revival of an Indigenous language. So join me for that next time. I'm Miyuki Okiranta. Do you ever have moments looking after your kids when you think, what the heck am I doing? I have absolutely no idea what I'm supposed to do right now. I just need some help. Help me, Maggie. So where do you get the answers to big parenting questions and challenges? Right here with me, Maggie Dent, on Parental As Anything, the podcast. It's where you'll find practical solutions and tips on all the big issues, like what to do if your child is vaping. There is a vape amongst all of my child's bedding. Why is there a vape in my daughter's room? How to get your kids ready for big, big school. Really separating the idea of this is new and different versus this is hard and scary. And how to parent when you're feeling just... <sighs> like you really can't do it anymore. You're still uh, in love with your child, but it's the emotional distancing from their children. Parental as anything with me, Maggie Dent. You'll find it on the ABC Listen app or wherever you find your podcast. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.